Hey there, I'm Leah Party, and you're listening to Bare Naked Soul, a podcast where we have real, uncensored conversations about the things we aren't supposed to talk about. Let's break all the rules and shed all the programming that's ever made us feel weak, scared, and caused us to shrink ourselves. It's time to live uncaged, freely expressing ourselves and manifesting our dreamiest, juiciest, and most pleasure-filled lives. Let's do the damn thing. Hey. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Bare Naked Soul. I have an incredible guest with me today. And I'm just going to jump right in with her because I'm literally so excited to hear like the deeper dive into her journey and hear her answers to my questions and just have a really good chat with her. So Andy Eaton is the editor-in-chief and founder of OI. <laughs> It's just we, it's the French word we, but you should see all the ways people pronounce it. I get like, I get ooh we a lot, but it's, it's we French word we, and then we like you and me. Okay. Yeah. You guys can tell I like, didn't like read the bio. I normally read it first, like once to just read it through, but we'll just leave this unedited in because it's kind of funny. So she's the founder of we, we, you got it. Yeah. A platform dedicated to the modern mystic interested in astrology, ritual practices, cosmic living, and new school approaches to wellness. She's a soul strategist working with companies like Google, Pinterest, and Aveda, as well as conscious brands and CEOs interested in fusing soul and spirit into creativity and work. She's the host of the charted podcast, Your Woo Woo Best Friend, which is super good, by the way, which features practical conversations for a magically radiant lifestyle. Her method incorporates yogic technology, the psychology manifestation, cosmic alignment, and the science of human energy. Andy offers online courses, membership program, and workshops, and is presently writing book number three with Chronicle Books. Wow. I love it. it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's, it's always so interesting when someone reads your bio while you're listening, you're like, oh, I am doing those things. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I know it's okay. Let's touch on that real quick because I feel like people always say that and I feel the same way. Um, so did you feel at one point in your journey early on with all of this, like that you would, once you hit this X goal ahead, that you would feel like you've arrived and now you're suddenly this like success, you see yourself as a successful person who like has it all. And, and then did that like not ever really, you just felt normal always? <laughs> you know, I think for all of us, that is one of the joys of, of creating goals and creating a new vision. I love creating a new vision every single month, you you never quite feel like you've attained it all. And at the same time, there's celebration all along the way. So none of these things that I'm doing right now, like as you read that list of things that I've been up to, I don't look at it and go, oh yeah, those were things that were on my big goal list or big vision list back in the early days of starting to build my company and my, the work that I do. And then I hit it and all right, we're here. There were things like the book, for example, I'm working on book three. I remember having a goal of just getting a literary agent to take a meeting with me for book number one. And then when that happened, it was like, okay, goal number two here is we've had a meeting. Will they actually give me a book deal? Can I actually get a book published? And then that happened. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, I'm a published author. <laughs> this is amazing. What, what if I could actually now create a book of my dreams that really met all of the things that I'm interested in now? So in that example, it just continues to evolve and there's little celebrations along the way. And I find that the things I'm doing presently, I'm celebrating. And certainly there's, there's goals that I have that are grander for, for things to come. I love it. And okay. So did you over this journey, which I assume took many years, you sure. know, sometimes it can seem like it blew up overnight, but like, typically that's not the case. Um, do you feel like you, you evolved along the journey and like, maybe you like shifted your perspective on things and maybe shifted back and like, how did that affect you as an author? Because a book is such a permanent piece of content that you ever look back and say, Oh, that first book. Yeah. I'm a little different now. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I I've seen that in the books, of course, and my blog is 10 years old. So I look back at pieces that I was writing, things that I was interested in in 2012. And it's quite different from the things that I'm interested in now and how I absorb the world and my surroundings, how I move through the world. And, you know, I think if we're not, if we're not evolving, if we don't look back and have some of those moments where we're like, Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's, if I'm feeling that today, if that change isn't happening for you, perhaps get out and try some new things and see if you can create a little bit of that evolution for yourself. I, I, there's that saying, and it's been said many times by many people that if you don't look back at your original, your first work, whatever it might be and cringe a little bit, then you probably waited too long to give it a shot. And I like to think about that anytime I'm putting something out and also consider the idea that I do have a gift to share with the world. We all do. Every one of us has something to share. And if we hold on to it so tight, because we're not quite sure if it's exactly how we want it said or exactly how we want it received, then we're probably keeping something from someone who really needs it. And with my my second book, which was wonderful, which came out in 2017, it was a, it was a solo travel guide for women who were interested in off the beaten path locations and included packing guides and music lists. And it's exactly what I needed in that moment. And that type of travel created evolution for me in a way that I don't know that anything else could have created for me. And so today, is that what I'm doing? Am I going out and solo traveling all the time? Is that my life today? No, it isn't. It's not what I'm doing presently. Although I look back on that time and I'm so grateful for that time. And I'm so grateful that that piece of work exists for the woman who is where I was in that moment and needs, needs that work. And so I remind myself that too, that there are going to be things that don't necessarily reflect where we are today, but can support that person who is the version of you when you created that art or program or experience, for example. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like a lot of people listening right now, that feels like something where they can kind of relax. Like, oh, I can like, I can let go of a little bit of that, you know, because it can be really scary to evolve. It can feel like if I become a different version of myself, which the ideally is you just becoming more of your true self yes. right? and being willing to shed the layers that were never really you. But, um, yeah, it can be really scary because the world wants 
predictability and wants you to pick one side and one box you into one thing. So yeah, it can be really scary to allow yourself the freedom to change your mind. Completely, completely. And one of the things that's been incredibly beneficial for me is I started studying human design in 2017 and I am a manifesting generator in human design. And it gave me all the permission in the world to explore all of the interests that inevitably light me up. And that has been really, really great for me. So if someone's listening and they're like, I don't even know what that is. What is human design? It is a really incredible way to begin to understand the energy of who you are and your natural talents and gifts. And oftentimes while the world is saying, pick a lane and stick to it, you are innately gifted at multiple things, many things and energetically lit up by many things. And we have this beautiful, precious life to live and try out those things. So might as well do it our way versus how we've perhaps been told we should do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of human design and yeah, you're right. It gives you that permission to say like, okay, so the things that make me unique are actually normal, like part of my path. Yes. Yeah. I, I obsessed with human design. I love it. Okay. Well, I want to hear a little more about your story. So what happened before all of this, all of these amazing books and all these amazing things, maybe was there a time when you, um, when you said, okay, I have to teach this, I have to teach this stuff. Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, sure. So I spent the early part of my career in the beauty industry. I worked for an Ayurvedic beauty brand that's now owned by Estee Lauder for over a decade. And I started working for that company when I was pretty young. I was in my early twenties. I was right out of school and I was a classic type A overachiever. I'm a recovering, recovered sometimes, recovering sometimes perfectionist. And I really wanted to excel in my career. And so I spent a a long time in that business. I absolutely loved the people I worked with. I loved the brand. There was nothing about it that I really wanted to walk away from as I was 10 years into that world. However, I was starting to have that awareness that there was something more to me and that I had something greater to share besides being the greatest beauty executives that there ever could be. And so I made a decision in 2014 to leave my career. I was a senior executive with the company by that point in time. And so I was having this awareness, like that the net, the only, the only movement at that point was to go work for another brand, to be a president of a company of like, like that. And I just looked at that and thought, this is not the trajectory for me. And I had no idea what was the trajectory for me next, but I I knew that that path was coming to an end. So I was doing some other passion projects on the side, and then I decided to quit my job. And I, I did not do this lightly. I saved money for a year. I was really prepared for that leap because I wasn't on the side building another business or starting to think about how I was going to share these things that I was really interested in, which are very much a part of what I do today. Um, And so what I did was I moved overseas. I I moved for, for what I expected to be a summer. And then I ended up staying for six months and started to just listen. I really got into receptive mode and 
started to think about, okay, what could be possible for me next? And I tried out quite a few things. And sometimes I think there's this narrative of when you make that leap, especially a corporate leap, you go find your thing. And then you're like on the path. I tried several things that were not exactly it for me. And I needed to do that to see what was going to be it for me. I opened a, a small shop. I was running an incubator program for artists that I absolutely loved. It wasn't making a penny, but I was really giving back to artists that I was really inspired by and wanted to spend time with and, and support their work. So I was doing some of those things. And at the same time, I was developing more of my spiritual practice, my manifestation practice. I was already very much a wellness aficionado, but I wanted to find ways to invite more people into wellness and have it be a bit less exclusive because it can, it can often feel that way that it's only for some people. And I certainly didn't see it that way. So I was writing about it on my blog. And so that was how the transition slowly started to happen was more and more people were starting to show up to the blog. And I started to notice that the blog was becoming a business of its own. And it was not my intention to then start offering courses and workshops and retreats and things of that sort, but readers were coming to the site and then they were asking for things. They were saying, Hey, would you consider putting together a workshop like this? Or would you consider taking a group of us on a retreat that is goes to one of these places that have been really important to you and your spiritual development and path. And so I really listened and built things slowly and the book specifically, I had no, no vision of becoming an author. I loved writing the blog. And so the blog attracted in the first book, I've got a call to create a book. It was, I didn't get some huge advance with the first book. It was a, Hey, we want to create a book with this storyline. Are you interested in partnering with us? And I thought, well, this is my opportunity to learn how publishing works. So that's a great place to start. And then the next book, I got a great big advance and it was amazing, but I had the experience of the first book to really start to understand how to do this, do this work. And so all the steps along the way were me listening and being in receptive mode, allowing the magic to find me and trying things out, testing things out, saying yes, when I felt lit up by something. And when I found that I was perhaps taking the wrong path, pivoting when I needed to. And that's, that is how I think you can slowly, and then suddenly also build a business that you really aligned with and really proud of. Wow. So amazing. So do you have a time? Cause I, a lot of what you teach is manifestation, like a lot mm-hmm. of what you talk about. So do you have a time, maybe a, a first, one of your first stories where you manifested something and you were like, Oh, this is actually really real. Yeah, totally. So that summer that I decided to move overseas, there were three things that happened that summer that I was like, oh, I I see what I'm doing here. I I get this now. And I was not before that sitting down and thinking, what do I want to manifest? Let me make a vision board. I was not doing that. I was, I was following the process that I teach and I have an eight step guide that's available for free on on WeWe on our website. And I now teach that process. I was following that process, but very unknowingly following that process. It's just how I was doing things. So those three things were, I had decided when I was quitting the job that I wanted to go live overseas and 
write. I was already working on the first book. So I wanted to go live somewhere coastal in Europe and write. I had just quit my job. I did not want to go spend a ton of money to do this because I did not know what was going to happen next. The first thing that happened was I had a friend who offered up a family home for me to live in, which I ended up being able to live in for six months for free. There was just some things I needed to do to help him out with his family's home. It ended up being an amazing experience, one that totally changed my life. And I asked for a place to go and write and somewhere coastal and somewhere in Europe, preferably. And what was delivered was a free place to go live on the Mediterranean coast in the, in the South of Spain and write. And I was like, Whoa, that just happens. That was the first thing. The second thing was I was writing that first book and I started to have this idea for the book that I really wanted to create, which was wonderful, which was my road trip guide for women. And so I'm working on book number one, but I'm having this vision of book number two of what it was going to be. And that connected in a way that was as serendipitous as me having the house opportunity. I was at a wedding in New York. I met a girl at the wedding who I had met briefly previously. And I felt this call to tell her about the project. I did not know that she was also an author and also a travel author and had just published a book. When I started to tell her about this idea that I had by the end of the conversation, she had hooked me up with a literary agent who's still my agent today. And by the time I left New York on that trip, I had met this agent and pitched the book idea. And that was very much the second time that I was like, Ooh, I held the vision. I got really clear about what I wanted. I followed this process. I took inspired action. I allowed myself to get way out of my comfort zone and share something that perhaps I normally wouldn't have shared, connect with people I normally wouldn't have connected with. And here's what happened. And then the third thing was when I met my, my fiance, Ben, we, I'd been in a long-term relationship. I was not looking to get into another one. And we met on a work. We were on a set for uh, a music video. He's a musician. I was helping my girlfriend who is the artist with some of the wardrobe and we met on that set. And then when I looked back at it, as we started to date and get to know each other, everything that was on my list for a partner, he literally ticked every box. And I was like, okay, so now I just got the book. The book deal is happening. I just had this amazing experience where I was able to live in this place that was absolutely dreamy. And now I've met the person and I really had to stop and look at, okay, what work did I do to get here? Because it all happened right around the same time. And it had been a long, a long time of doing the work that it took to have those things arrive. But at that point, I was really clear that my, my process had been the same in each of those three cases and that it was real, that the magic and the manifestation and the magnetism were very real. Wow. So when you work with people and just observe people who um, maybe struggle with manifesting or feel like manifestation doesn't work for them, what do you feel like is the biggest or most common denominator in like it not working? Yeah. I mean, I find that normally, and this is just, this is so the case because we are human beings and we're living the human experience and there's nothing, there's nothing to be shamed in this. We just often are holding on to stories about what is possible for us. We are not seeing the potential of what our life 
could evolve into. And most of the time we are living out a story that we probably took on when we were little tiny kids. And it's the story we're staying, we're staying with because it's just what's been embedded in our subconscious. And so most of the time when folks are really struggling to have something come through, come through for them, they are still sitting in that story that they've sat in for so long, that subconscious mind is running the show and perhaps they think, okay, I'm doing the work. I'm sitting down and meditating, or I'm writing a list of things I want, or I made a vision board, but ultimately their belief system is still that they are not worthy of having whatever it is that would really light them up. And sometimes it's just that what they think would light them up, what they think would be the next level for them is what they've been told would be the next level for them. And they're not actually aligned with that. And so they're kind of clawing their way forward towards something that is not in fact truly for them. So when that's happening, the work that I recommend first is to really spend time with your belief system, really look at what you are holding in your core, in your, in your subconscious mind about what you believe to be true and do some work with that first. And when you start to then create a vision, see if you can make that vision bigger and bigger. And what happens when you make it bigger? Do you start to then say, Oh no, no, that's not possible for me. So if it's like my fiance is a musician. So for example, in his case, it's, okay, I'm going to put out my own, a solo record. Okay. I, I believe I can do that. Okay. Well, what's the next level of putting out your solo record? Oh, well, you know, it's, it's picked up by a label and it's really well-received and people say beautiful things about it. Okay. Is that possible? Maybe it's possible. Okay. What's the next level? Well, I I'm acknowledged and I want a Grammy for that record. Okay. Is that possible? And then the question, then he, he, he has to then start to answer those questions for himself. Do I believe it's possible for me to win a Grammy for this record? I've done all the schooling. I've done all the work I've spent, you know, 15 years of my life being classically trained to do this type of music. I've toured the world. Why wouldn't I be ready to be in that place? It's the only person typically holding you back from that is you and your mindset, not believing that that is in fact for you when it likely is for you. You just got to get there and your belief system. Wow. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. The only thing holding us back is us. That's what's yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that there isn't, there isn't things going on in the world that are suppressing you suppressing people. I was having a conversation yesterday about, you know, the reality of state violence. There are things that happen that we cannot necessarily control. And I don't take that away from anyone. If you're experiencing some sort of suppression or some sort of, um, you know, systemic scenario that is holding you back. That is not your fault, of course. And that doesn't mean that your belief system should break through that and get you out of that easily. That is, that is a different conversation. It's worth acknowledging that because I think sometimes in the conversation of manifestation, it can manifestation can feel very privileged and it can feel like something that, well, if you, if you haven't really had a lot of challenges and you haven't had a lot of suppression, then it becomes easier to believe that this life that you're dreaming of is possible. And that is absolutely true. There's no question that that's true. And so if you are experiencing suppression or something that is holding you back that you cannot control, 
then start considering, okay, where can I get the support that I need to get out of that situation so that I can begin to step in a new step into a new way of being and a new belief system with the support that will help me to get there. Yeah, absolutely. So around that whole topic, cause it's important, right? Yeah. I believe I'm privileged being white, you know, and sure. uh, though I come from a lower middle-class family, I had parents who encouraged me to go to college, helped me go on tours of colleges, right? They weren't going to pay for them, but they helped me get in. Like there are a lot of things along the way that have helped me. Sure. And, um, I, I do think it's important to acknowledge that. And I think when it comes to not only manifestation, but the whole having like a big platform, right? Being publicly seen, being publicly successful, being publicly wealthy. How do we, I don't know, how do you balance encouraging people, empowering people who maybe don't have those privileges um, cause we want to encourage and empower people and allow them to know that it's possible for them without saying you don't have, you know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying at all? Sure. Like, sure. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I think is really important, and it's something that I share with the folks in my community that come to workshops or retreats or things of that sort is to find people that you can look at their experience and see yourself in it. And if you can start to see yourself and their experience and, see what they were able to accomplish in order to get where they are. That I think is so powerful because then you're starting to show yourself your subconscious mind. If she can do it, then I too can do it. If she could get out of this particular situation or if she could get around something that was so incredibly challenging that most people would have believed she could never get to where she is, then I too could follow that path. And I just, I find that to be really important. And I encourage the folks in, in my community to look for those expansive people that they can see themselves in and show your subconscious mind what is possible through them. And it's, it's sometimes challenging to find those people because sometimes we look at those people and we start to get jealous and we're like, how did they get there? Why, why did they get out of this situation that I can't seem to get out of? Or why are they excelling while I feel very stuck? And if you find that you're feeling feelings of jealousy or envy that are creating just low vibrational energy for you, it's probably not the person for you. It's the person that you look at and you're like, so lit up by what they're doing. You're so inspired by what they're doing. Maybe you have a moment of like, I wish that was my life. And that's okay because having a wish or an aspiration, totally okay. Je jealousy and envy is quite different. And that's a vibration we don't want to hang out in, but having aspiration and being inspired by someone and then potentially following their path where it feels right for you can really help especially when you've experienced something that is potentially suppressing your full potential and power. Wow. That's such a good answer to that question and an example. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And I remember being at the beginning of my journey with my business and I had an affirmation of, if she can do it, I can do it. And I, you know, and that really yeah. helped me to find people that were from similar backgrounds and had overcome the same thing. So that makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. I mean, in my, in my life, I too came from a, a middle-class family. We certainly had some major challenges in family In our family, there was drug use and there was alcohol and there was brokenness. There was a lot of that going on. However, I always had a safe place to sleep. I always had a safe way to get to school. I had really great friends, but I found when I started into my professional career, I was living in a place where I was surrounded by a lot of folks who came from generational wealth. And so I was seeing all of these folks excel really quickly because they had a lot of financial support. And I was definitely jealous of that. And I definitely started to believe if you didn't come from money, if you didn't have generational wealth, if that wasn't at your disposal, you could not be successful. And it was something I started to really pull into my subconscious. And if I didn't actively work to break that, I don't think I would have ever felt comfortable to start my business. So what I had to do was find those people that did not have that story, that had a story much more close to my story that came from broken homes, that came from experiences of drugs and alcohol that still found a love for self despite that. And were able to, without, without a, a bank account that was available to them at, you know, at will, we're still able to build something that was really special. And when I started to see other people like that, I was like, oh yeah, okay, she's got it. I need to go that direction. And I need to continue to show my subconscious that if she can do it, I got this too. So it's all about seeing and is believing in that case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I think, so I think, you know, we're given it, we're dealt a hand of cards and sometimes you're dealt a hand of cards that you wish you could trade for someone else's hand of cards and that's not your fault and all of that. But I think when you have, when you have that hand and you say, okay, this is the hand I have, what can I do with it? Yeah. In such a victim mindset around money and, you know, yeah, it felt like everyone else had all these things I didn't have all the support I didn't have, um, really feeling like my, in my early days, like college and graduating from college, I felt very like I'm on my own, no backup plan, nothing. And now I see it as like, damn, I had no backup plan. That's part of what helped me be so successful. Totally. You know? And I, I had this hunger in me because I didn't want to end up in the financial situation of the family that I grew up in. And I was absolutely not available for that. And so I'm really, now I see, wow, I was dealt a hand of cards that gave me hunger and like drive. And I'm also a generator. So that's part, you know, that was there as well. But um, yeah, I think I, through platforms like this podcasts and books and people like you, I was able to see, oh, I'm really in a victim mindset around this. What other mindset could I have? Oh, here's how I can actually, here's how this has actually played out in my life. Absolutely. And I feel the same way. And I find that oftentimes the most spiritual people that I know, the most driven people that I know, the people that have incredible ambition, but also a beautiful moral compass at the same time, those people went through a lot of turmoil before they found their way into what they're doing today. And you and I were having a conversation before we started about, um, an interview with, uh, Amberly Lyons of chakra girl, who we both had, we both had podcast conversations with she and I, she and I were having this conversation about, you know, the more kind of drug, sex and rock and roll, your lifestyle may have been at originally the more connected to spirit you 
are likely when you get on the other side of that. And I definitely felt that way that there was a lot of darkness and a lot of stuff that was going on in my life that when I was able to get on the other side of it, I was able to really look at it and face it. And then also see that for other people and see when they were still perhaps working through that darkness to get on the other side, because I had lived it too. And I think that that can be a really powerful way to take things that can feel really challenging and then start to create your own plan. Just like you did. You're like, I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to create my own way of being in relationship to money. I very much had that same story and that struggle while it's not a good time while we're in it, it can be really powerful on the, on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like the people that needed to hear our story, find us and they see themselves in us and we see ourselves a few years ago in them. And it's, this yeah. cool, you know, and it's a reminder for anyone who feels like, well, I can't do, this is already being done. These people are already having this conversation. Where's the room for me to start a podcast or whatever. It's like, there's always room for you because you have your unique story that someone will connect with. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, on, on the same, on the topic of manifestation. So something that I hear a lot and I definitely can relate to as well, um, is the feeling of, okay, I'm going to set this goal. I'm going to decide I'm going to manifest something, but there's the kind of a risk of disappointment. How do you help people or what's your advice for navigating like letting go of the disappointment factor and letting yourself dream big. Yeah, I love that question. And it's one that certainly comes up often because we don't want to let ourselves down. We don't want to feel like we've set a goal and then we didn't achieve it. But I think it's, it's also worth remembering that those goals and the timelines around them are constructs of our imagination and whatever we desire, whatever we are putting out into, as Abraham Hicks calls it, the vortex ultimately is already on its way to us. And it's a matter of how open we are to receive it. And the timeline for that may not line up to what you wrote on paper when you were goal setting, but the reality is the more you can get into alignment with that manifestation coming through without creating a shame story without beating yourself up because it didn't happen on your very man-made constructed timeline of things. If you can begin to release that and, and I like to think about it this way. I feel like the, the universe in some way has a bit of a sense of humor. And so when I set a timeline to something, I'm saying, Oh, do you want to use my watch? Do you want to use my watch? And the universe is like, time is that's your version of time. This is not how it works in my version of time. So that's cute. You can use that watch to set that time. And I am going to deliver. It is going to, it is going to be for you. It is just going to be for you on the timeline. That is the highest timeline for you. And that has nothing to do with the date that you've set this goal to be achieved or the, the experience that you think it should come through as so I say all of that with the encouragement to don't take it so seriously. See if you can release a little bit of the control over how things are delivered and know that the right delivery will come for you when it is supposed to. And you will realize that when it happens. And at the same time, we are all humans. And so we get frustrated when things don't happen on our timeline. And the more we can work to let that go and 
attempt to be in the flow, the more joy we're going to experience as things find us when they should. Mm, yeah. And I even feel like when they didn't, when it didn't come exactly how we wanted it to, or exactly like what, like, you know, when we wanted it to, those end up being the things where, okay, now I have more, more things I've been through that I can teach on right now. I've learned totally. how to handle these things. And yeah, it all kind of relates back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And if you find yourself really kind of struggling to climb the hill to get something that you want to call into your life, you're probably working too hard. If it feels like a struggle, see what you can do to let go, see what you can do to release some of the struggle and just be so that whatever it is that you are intending to call in can find you in a, in a way that is, is peaceful and is beautiful and is joyful. And I mean, how many times have we heard people say, oh, I was wanting this thing, or I was trying to get this job, or I was trying to like get this deal or whatever it might be. I was trying to get it, trying to find a a date. I was trying to like, you know, get a partner. And when I finally decided I was done with it, when I finally decided no more dating, when I finally decided, all right, I'm never going to get that job. I, I, you know, I walked away. Well, that's when it showed up because it's when we released control. It's when we released the struggle and it's when we got open to finding the joy in it. And then it shows up and it's like, Oh, well, of course you're here. Or of course this is here because I'm ready for it now. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's often like, Oh, okay. Well that job I really had to have and really wanted. Now I can see how it worked in my favor that I didn't get that one because yeah came along. Yeah. It's a lot of trust involved and that takes practice. I feel totally. Yeah. The trust is, is one of the biggest parts and it is so challenging and so worth it when you can really learn to practice that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little about the beauty industry because you spent two decades yeah. in the industry. Um, how do you see beauty standards changing as women are stepping into their power? Yeah. Ooh, I love talking about the beauty industry and I did, I spent so much time in it. I still do some consulting work and the beauty space and to be, you know, really transparent and share something that's coming up in my world. I'm, I'm working on a, on a capsule collection of products that I feel really called to create. So I'm, I'm still very connected to it in that way. And at the same time, standards are changing and as they should, right? I mean, it's like, we do not need makeup products, this, the list of things to be beautiful. We are innately all beautiful within. What I love about makeup or products or these sorts of things is the idea that you can self-express, that you can create ritual, that you can take good care, offer yourself self-compassion and self-love. One of my favorite products is oils. And do I need three or four different oils in my bathroom? Of course I don't. Is it absolutely necessary for me to be beautiful? Absolutely not. But I absolutely love the practice of dry brush, dry brushing and using oils on my face and my body. It's just something I enjoy from a ritualistic perspective and it's really good for me. So, and does it make my skin glow? Yeah. And does that feel nice to look in the mirror and see this glowing exterior of something that I already know is glowing inside? Yeah, it does. feels great. So I, I always encourage any woman or any person who is considering what beauty is to remind yourself to take care of the inner first, 
and then express whatever feels right to you in regards to beauty and whatever way feels aligned for you with whatever products feel best for you. I personally feel like there's a, a big challenge in the beauty industry with how products are made and the types of ingredients and the way things are sourced and the way things are packaged. I really have, I take, take issue with a lot of those practices. So I also encourage, look for things that are going to be as low waste as possible and are going to be sourced sustainably. And that are also good for, for you and your body and your well-being. And when you're doing that, then I think that in some way is breaking the standards of beauty and itself and doing you in whatever way feels good to you is certainly breaking the standards of beauty. And we're seeing that in lots of ways. We're seeing that by who's represented in magazines. We're seeing that by who's represented in, in brand advertising and marketing. We're also seeing that in what brands are creating in terms of products and who they're for. And I expect that that will continue as we are taking power of our own standards in our, in our hands. Yeah. I love that. Something that I noticed in myself recently is I tend to get caught up in like trying to be the most spiritual and the most real and the most like all these things. Right. And it's probably perfectionism, like coming back in. Um, so I don't know. So like an example would be, so I'm, I just turned 30. And so people, my age, like my friends are, some of them are starting to get Botox and it's like something that people are doing and maybe it's becoming bigger than it was before. Or maybe I didn't really pay attention when I was younger. I don't know, but it's this whole conversation of like, well, is there anything wrong with that? Right. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I think that like right and wrong in most situations are perspectives and what's wrong for me might not be wrong for you, but when it comes to like spirituality and all of that, like the ego and like what's, what's important is within and all of that whole conversation, it can often, um, make, us feel like, oh, well, I should never like drink alcohol or like do anything that could possibly be not spiritual. What's your take on all of that? Yeah. I love this conversation too. And I think sometimes, especially those of us that find ourselves surrounded by a lot of people in, in the spiritual conversation, when we start to, when we start to place judgment on behaviors like the ones you just mentioned, like getting Botox or deciding to have a glass of wine. For example, when we start to create judgment around that, now we're stepping out of our spirituality. It's like, it's just not connected. Like we're talking about the highest levels of the divine, the highest levels of cosmic and, and spiritual connection, the deepest depths of our soul. And does that stuff really consider whether or not you went to the esthetician and got some, you know, some needle put in your face? Probably not. Does that stuff consider whether or not you sat down and enjoyed a glass of wine with a friend? Now, I think, you know, when we, when we take it to extremes and we are letting ego take over, or when we're in the case of drinking, drinking, when we're blocking the potential for our inner being to really be lit up because we can't feel that anymore because we were drunk and not just enjoying a glass of wine or two. 
that's a different conversation. Now we're really tapping into our spiritual self and either suppressing that or altering it in some way. So I think it's really about when you're making a decision about whether or not you want to get Botox and you're making a decision of your, if you're going to be a person that has drinks or doesn't have drinks, consider what does this do for my inner being? What does this do for my inner self? And if I am still aligned to that and I just feel more refreshed, if I have a, you know, couple shots of Botox every couple of months and I go out into the world and I'm feeling more confident and I express more creatively and that's what this is. I, I don't, I don't have any challenge with that. If you want to go sit and have a glass of wine or two with your friend or your, your partner, and that's a ritual you enjoy. I don't have any challenge with that either. I think, I think that is, that stuff is a part of the human experience. And we are living in these bodies for a reason to go through the, through the human experience. So I think it's, it's important to be kind to yourself in that regard, to check in and see why am I choosing to do this? How does it truly make me feel? Is this an egoic behavior or is this something that I feel that it aligns to who I ultimately am and how I move through the world? And am I casting judgment on other people who are doing things that really is none of my business anyways, because I need to just focus on living my life and being a great, you know, support to the people in my world. So that's, that's my hot take on that idea, because it's certainly one that comes up a lot for, for those of us that hang out in these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, I feel like there's, there is, can be a lot of judgment, you know, just like in some, I, I often felt growing up that like the religious, um, church situations are often with a lot of judgment and that's just, that's not what the spirituality is about. So when so easy to get to make it into this thing where it's like you're trying to be so holy and you end up taking it to this kind of a, to an extreme where yeah. you're not allowing yourself to really have that human experience and you're um you're living you're putting yourself in like boxes or like in like you're creating rules for yourself or taking someone else's rules and then it's just making another religion out of spirituality where totally all these things and we don't do those things so when you are making decisions like these or anything else um, for yourself, what are some things that you do to connect with your, with your soul and to, to feel like you're getting like intuitively guided decisions? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, one of the things that I have found is my intuition is strong and we all have that, right? We all have the ability to connect to our intuition. And I've really looked at, okay, when I'm listening deeply to my heart, when I'm listening to my inner wisdom, what does that voice sound like? It's gentle, it's kind, it's caring. It does not steer me wrong. If I make a decision that ultimately was not aligned to it, it does not judge me, it does not shame me, it just helps to redirect me. And so I really consider. I consider that I consider that voice. And I know that that voice is likely the closest conversation that I can have with my soul, with my inner being is, is being in conversation with that voice. So I personally decided in 2018 to, I, I, I don't drink alcohol and I made that decision in 2018, which it's been about four years now this month, actually. And when I made that decision, for me, it was not a struggle and it was not a struggle because 
I felt gently and divinely guided to do something different in regards to alcohol. I'd seen in my life, a lot of problems, challenges, ugliness because of alcohol. And I thought I don't have interest and, and inviting that type of energy into my life anymore. And it starts with me making a decision that it's not for me. And my fiance on the other hand, loves wine, loves a really fine wine, loves to, loves to go to wine shops, go to wine tastings. And I have no judgment for him doing that because for him, it's something that brings him a lot of joy. So for me, it wasn't bringing me joy. It was reminding me of a lot of darkness in my life for him. It's something really joyful. So when I go and sit at a winery and have an experience with him, I'm not weirded out by that at all because it's joyful for him and me just being an, an experience of nature or wherever we might be a beautiful place, a beautiful restaurant being with him. That's joyful for me. So that was one of the biggest times in my life when I really had to consider, okay, what does this look like in my life? What does this mean for me? Why am I making this de decision? Is it going to be a challenge for me? How do I ensure it isn't a challenge for me and that I'm not creating judgment or casting judgment on other people, especially people I love and want to spend a lot of time with, like the person I'm marrying. So I think that's the process to go through with any decision like that is what is my, what does my divine inner guidance have to say? And when you start to get a little bit off track, go back to that and really listen to that wisdom that your heart ultimately has to give you and keep checking back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think we all have things like that where something that is culturally a norm, maybe it doesn't feel good to us. And it's so easy yeah. to go along with what everyone else is doing. That's why it's so important to check in with ourselves and say, yeah. why does this bring me joy? Or am I just doing this because it's what everybody else is doing? Totally. And of course I had that experience of like quite a few of my girlfriends being like, what, like, what do you mean? We're not going to like have like champagne girls night anymore. And I'm like, no, we're still going to have champagne girls night. I'm just going to drink something different. Like I'm not changing the experience of loving you as a friend, being with you, celebrating all of those things. I want to be a part of who we are and what our relationship is. I'm just going to drink something different. Like that's, what's going to happen. And that might feel weird at first because you might be like, Oh, now you're not drinking and I'm drinking. And that's really strange. And of course I had to work through that, you know, with some folks, but it was because I was really grounded. And this is not about what I think of the spiritual practice or process. And this has nothing to do with your, your story and the way you're going to move through the world. It has everything to do just with how I'm going to move through the world and what really feels the best for me. Then it became a lot easier to go into those sorts of conversations and experiences and not make people feel bad. And also really stay true to who I, I knew that ultimately I am and needed to be for myself at the same time. Yeah. I love that so much. Just being true to ourselves and to doing what feels good. Yeah. So since you are the woo woo best friend, mm -hmm. you have, um, either a ritual of yours that you want to share or like something like trippy you've done recently, like some, something, mm -hmm. what have you, what do you want to share? <laughs> oh, I mean, I have so many rituals and I'm always changing them up. Um, two years ago, all of 2020, I was like super deep into my Kundalini 
yoga and meditation practice. I was like up every morning doing my, my 15, 20 minutes of breath work and then a nice juicy meditation. My life looks really different now. Things have changed a lot since 2020. So my rituals look different. So right now I'm getting up in the morning. I love that process that I mentioned of the dry brushing and working with oil. I've been doing a lot of face yoga, which I'm really enjoying just working with those sorts of practices. I, I find that when we start to get on the path of these woo-woo modalities and trying them out, you're, you kind of get excited about some for a little while and you want to do that one. And then you get excited about something else. And that's a part of the fun in it is like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this type of breath work for a while, or I'm going to do this type of meditation, or I'm going to do this oiling and, and, you know, whatever it may be. The book that I have coming out next year is a book of rituals. So I've been going through, and there's many, 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 many rituals in that book. So I've been working through all the different rituals that I put in that book, which has been really fun too. So some of it's like making, um, really fun concoctions out of herbs and, doing things like that for teas or for body scrubs. I enjoy things like that. Some of it's more of just going and sitting in nature and being with the trees, something I suppose it maybe is a little trippy that I do is I always speak to the plants and flowers that are, that are surrounding me. That's really important to me to acknowledge the nature that I spend time with, because I feel like it has so much wisdom to give us if we just allow it to, to allow it to give it to us. So that's probably not a super concise answer of a, a ritual or two, or one or two trippy things that I'm up to, but I'm always game to explore and try new things. I just went through a water divination experience was the first time I'd had that experience. And it was incredible. I um, did a podcast episode with the water diviner who offered that experience to me, a really cool practice that I had not tried before. And it's basically speaking to spirit and ancestors through through water. So that's, that's how that experience went. And I absolutely got so much out of it. So I'm, I'm always open to try, try all the things. Wow. That is so cool. I love it. I love it. And I'm sure everyone is so excited to check out your podcast and your books. So, okay. One last question. Do you have a favorite book along your journey that really stands out to you that you loved? Mm, there's so many good ones, but one that I go back to often is many lives, many masters by Brian Weiss. And I think it, that book for me, it's, it's for those that aren't familiar with it. It's basically the story of a psychologist uncovering the reality of human beings, having many incarnations, basically having many past lives. And in the book, the psychologist who's writing the book, Brian, Dr. Brian Wise is, is uncovering these past lives through hypnosis sessions. When I read that book and then truly his, many of his books are, are really incredible. Only love is, um, or love is, I think it's called love is love is the answer or only love is real. The one about love, which is comes after that one. When I read those books, it just gave me so much permission to live this life in full expression, look for people to spend my time with that I believe to be here on a similar soul mission as me. And that I think was certainly a pivotal, a pivotal book for me. Yeah. Interesting because my best friend, she used to talk about that book a lot back in the day when yeah. I 
to work with her. And this was when we both worked in sales and now she's a hypnotist, hypnotherapist. Oh, wow. Cool. So I have to remind her because she used to talk about that book all the time and I never read it. Um, but yeah, amazing. Well, tell us how we can find you, connect with you, follow you. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find everything that we're doing at we, we girl, which is O U I W E G I R L. We also now have uh we, we studio, which is a personal well-being studio full of courses and workshops and retreats and all sorts of good things. We, we girl on Instagram, on all the socials, and you can find the podcast through the website too. The podcast is called your woo woo best friend. And that eight step manifestation guide that I mentioned, you can go to either we, we girl or we, we studio, and you can get that guide and it's free and it'll give you some really good steps to start your manifestation practice. Okay. Awesome. All of that is going to be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was so fun. And I got a lot out of this conversation. I'm sure all the listeners will as well. So guys, don't forget to subscribe and take a screenshot of this episode, share on Instagram, tag us both. And yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for having me.